Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Turn with me, please, in your Bible to the book of Chronicles. 1 Chronicles. It's easy to find. Turn left at 2 Chronicles. Just trying to help people. For those that um, are not sure, it is on page, uh, if I can find it, yeah, 557. It's a great story. I'm just going to touch a couple of things here. The Bible's, Lord, would you just anoint your word today? I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? When the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up with the Philistines to seek David. David heard of it and he went out against them. The Philistines came, Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim, valley of giants. They came to confront him. He'd been anointed king and they came to confront him. The enemy will confront the anointing. He'll confront the power of God. And David inquired of God, said, Shall I go up against them? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. So they came up to Baal-perazim, and David smote them there. Then David said, God has broken in upon mine enemies by my hand, like the breaking forth of the waters. Therefore they called the name of the place Baal-perazim, Lord of the Breakthrough. Lord of the Breakthrough. I believe that God is moving across our nation and saying it is time for the church to move into a breakthrough like never before. How many are believing that it is critical times? Is anyone concerned about how late the hour is? It is late. Stuff's happening now politically that is moving at a rate so fast in the last two years, we've moved where we moved about 10 years. Things are accelerating to the degree I genuinely believe that the way it's going, unless the church steps in and breaks through, this book is going to be outlawed. You say, can that ever happen? It's already being declared a hate book. In America, people that preach prophecy, Bible prophecy, and are full-on fundamental Christians that believe the Bible and stand up against the stuff that's going on are secretly recorded as enemies of the state. That'll be the same here. Christians, many are being recorded in that under thing that's stirring up and fighting everything that's decent. It's the dark thing that's under the surface, dark politics. The media, totally owned by the one world people, totally owned, propagating and brainwashing a generation to exactly what they want, ready to pounce and move into one world. It is so close. It is so close. Israel right now, friends of ours were just in Israel, and they came back, a lady came back that goes every year. She said, I've never been afraid before, but the stuff that's happening on the border, they're not saying, when will a war be? 
uh, or, or will there be a war? They're just saying, we don't know when it's coming. It's about to happen, though. Anything can break loose. Anything can break loose any moment. Economically, it could happen in a moment. To a great degree, the world's in a situation. We, we have situations now in America, and I don't want to get too much into, but I, I think we've got to be realistic and, and look and understand in America right now, they're passing bills through the states that a baby can be aborted right up to the moment of birth. In fact, they have declared not just can it be aborted to the birth, but the woman goes into contractions and is going into labor, they can take the life of the child at that time. Inject poison into its skull and murder the child. I don't know if you saw pictures of them signing those bills with big smiles on their face. There's evil, sinister times. And the reason, I mean, we live in a, in a nation right now where a future gentleman that wants to be prime minister is propagating that there's something like 26 or I don't know how many genders and the stuff in the schools, the stuff that's happening. We need to understand that the church is considered to a great degree to be no longer relative no longer has any real meaning in society. It's outdated with no relevancy at all. That's pretty serious. That's an indictment on the church. It's an indictment. There's a flood that is literally rolling over society that is so serious. And how's it happened? I think it's happened because... The church, to a great degree, across the world, certainly in the Western world, not in Africa, not in parts of South America, but to a great degree, the prayerlessness of the church has allowed evil to swamp, swamp our society. And yet, to a great degree, the body of Christ drones along, drones forward, like everything's okay. Everything is not okay right now. Everything's not okay. I felt the Lord stirring me in the last few months with the urgency of the hour that it is the time for a supernatural breakthrough. I, I feel it in my own heart. I feel the challenge of God. Tim, you've got to get that tenacity that you had as a young man. Now, I've endeavored in the last year to press back into that place with a tenacity in prayer because everything comes out of prayer. I'm going to talk a little bit about prayer that breaks through today, but we'll have some breakthroughs at the end. We'll pray for some people to get healed today. We'll have some breakthroughs. We'll have some breakthroughs in lives. Who needs a breakthrough this year? Who really needs a, a really serious... Are you all happy this morning? Who needs a really serious breakthrough? Maybe in your health, maybe with your family, maybe in your finances, maybe in your business. I think this is a year of incredible breakthrough. A year, Baal Perizim, the Lord of the breakthrough, the breakthrough. I want breakthrough in my life. I want to break into a new place of power. We're preparing to do a big tent crusade down on the peninsula. And uh, we've been going in there. I've already been going in and training and teaching and preparing people. And we've got pastor from one of the churches on a 40-day fast, and some of my team are already doing 40-day fasts. I've sort of set myself to do so many days a week to press in and 
getting back out in prayer, seeking God, pushing in, not with token prayer, not with token prayer, but I've actually left three or four weeks, just going to do some Sunday mornings, but I'm leaving the week and the night's free because I'm believing that we're going to touch something in God and those meetings are going to explode. And I think God wants to break something open that's needed in our nation right now. I think it's time for the church to stand up. And I felt the challenge this morning, and I think I can talk honestly. I was in the car this morning, and I felt the Lord say, I don't want you to go into the church this morning as an evangelist. I want you to go in there with my prophetic word. And I feel the word of the Lord is that the mandate for this church has always been, there's always been a spirit of prayer on this church. And it's always had a passion for the nations. And I feel the Lord saying, I'm looking to this church. When I came here, I came here um, nearly 40 years ago. And when I came, God spoke to me, said, I want to do in this church, I want to show what a praying church can do. I want to show to the rest of the nation and even the nations what can be achieved through a praying church. When I came here, and I, I enjoyed being here, and if we look at the great things that have happened since that time with Pastor Alan and this building and, and, uh, and now with, with Pastor Matt and Franca and the team, we've got campuses and we've been into the nations. I've been in with, with the church here, had significant things. The church has sort of moved in a fantastic way but I really believe that God is saying it's time to go to another level. How many believe that? So I remember when, when we came here and I was asked, there was a group of young people here led by Malcolm Fletcher. How many are familiar with Malcolm? Mal Fletcher, he's gone on to do great things in England. Mal Fletcher had a group of young people. I didn't know much about them, but they were on fire. Young people in the church, I don't know how big the church was back there, but maybe 80 or 90 people, I don't know. But these young guys got praying, and they were praying, and they were intensely praying, and they were pressing in because they wanted something to happen. And they were praying, and Malcolm told me they were specifically praying that God would send in a young man who would relate and wanted to see something happen with the youth, something significant, and uh, praying and, and uh, praying that he'd be a young man that, and the young guy was young then, not now, but that he'd love the Holy Ghost and love to pray. And they were praying for months. For months they were seeking God. I got an invitation. Would you come and do Dandenong Church? Take Dandenong Church. And I said, look, politely, no. It's not what I want to do. I'm called to evangelism. I'm called now to go out and and uh, get into evangelism in the nations. That's my passion. So I have to politely say no. Well, they kept on praying, and they felt like this is the guy you're supposed to get. And I kept on, uh, well, I resisted it again. And I said, no, I, it's not what I want to do. It's not what I want to do. And God spoke to me, and he said, have you asked me? I said, well, no, it's not what I want to do. And he said, why don't you come and ask me? And I said, okay, I will. So I went up to the Flinders Rangers, got alone with God. Have I told this story before, Pastor Franco? Not the same, though. 
This is different today. But I'm telling you because there was, our coming was out of a spirit of intense prayer and real purpose wanting something. So I went away and I spent days in the mountains praying and God really began to speak to me. I had a, I'm not going into the details, but I had a really satanic attack that I thought would take my life up there. And I had to take a stance, and I did. And, and immediately after, I was right up there somewhere, and I got out of the car and ran out and began to cry out to God, and God said, take the church. Now that was, I, went, I got in the car, drove to Blinman. That's about 40 years ago. And I drove to Blinman, got out in the phone box there, and I rang, and I said, I'd like to take the church. And I kept on seeking God. Quite a bit of fasting and prayer came in, and I found a church that wanted to pray. I found a church of people who understood prayer. There were young guys like Darko Kuljak and Ian Fletcher and the Fletcher kids, and, and we just started a prayer meeting. And I had never met a group of young people like the young people that were in this church. I never have. To this, to this day, going all over the world, I have never met a group of young people like I met when I came here. Never met anything like it. I have never seen a youth group as absolutely intensely fired up with a passion. They put me to shame. And as the pastor, I felt like I was lacking. And I was pretty fired up. And I remember we started Friday nights, 7 o'clock till midnight every Friday night. I told you this before. But these kids pressed into God. They were fasting. They're seeking God. They're touching God. One of our young guys, uh, Paul Furlong, he's traveling all over the world now, evangelizing all over the world. Uh, Mal Fletcher is doing major stuff on BBC and through television all over Europe in the biggest churches in Europe. And incredible things were happening. Incredible things. The prayer meetings were unbelievable. The young people would come out and the older people would come out. Mick and Rose were there. Others were there. Eugene, they'd come out and we would cry out to God for four hours, nonstop. And we used to put up names on a board or photos. And as those people came in, we'd take their names off. Among them, was uh, Julie Fletcher. She was praying for her boss, who she thought was pretty sweet, cute. So she put his name up there. Um, what's his name again? Lindsay Clark. Put Lindsay's picture up there. We prayed for Lindsay. Prayed for Lindsay. Prayed for Lindsay. Prayed for him. Prayed for him. One day he came walking into the prayer meeting, gave his life to Christ in the prayer meeting. I said, how many people know what Lindsay and Julie have done? They are starting churches across the world using a business module and using finance and getting them started. How many churches have they opened now? 10, 20,000 churches? 10 or 20,000 churches. Out of that prayer meeting. Out of that prayer meeting. You see, God is stirring me. I'm talking out of my own spirit. This time last year, I, I talked about finding your first love. Very similar, but I'm sharing with you what I just feel the Spirit of God is saying again. So it may be a similar sermon, but God is saying to me, to you, to all of us, it is 
perilous days, but it's the greatest days. It's in the natural, horrendous days, but in the spirit, the days of the greatest opportunities we could ever have. Days for revival, days when God is going to do the unbelievable. I don't know about you, but I want the unbelievable. I want the awesomeness of God. I want to see stuff that's going to cause the political correctness, uh, cultural Marxist nonsense that's spreading the world right now to get hit square in the face. People are rising up. Churches are rising. Individuals are rising. People are going from token prayer to the prayer that takes hold. I want to talk and show you some images. I had a bunch of scriptures here, but I'm, I'm going to show you some images this morning of people that prayed. Have I done this before? I haven't shown pictures before, have I? That's no, first time. Never, ever repeat yourself. <laughs> but listen, I'm telling it, in the car, I was going to preach a completely different message with points and sub-points that was brilliant. God said, just challenge them. Come in as a father, and I'm old enough, and come in and say, hey, this is a praying church, but I believe that God is saying, Faith Church Dandenong is going to its greatest place ever. Greatest place of power, greatest place of missions. The stuff you've done in missions is amazing. The stuff that Pastor Matt has seen open in missions and you guys have done in missions is incredible. It's not yesterday for any of us. I know personally. People say, why don't you retire? And do what? I don't want to retire. Not interested in retiring. I'm going to preach till I drop. Preach till I just... If I die in the pulpit, praise God. If I'm here and die, don't be upset. To cart me out and get someone up and finish the sermon. Let's have a look at some prayers. Prayer that breaks through. Prayer and fasting for our families, for our homes, pressing in, prayer and fasting for our homes, families. Next one. First one. Not next one. First. What are these weird people doing on their face? Who are they? 17th century, 17 whatever, 1700 and something. These guys were the Moravians, and that's an image of their prayer. How many have heard of uh, John Huss? Who's heard of the Moravians? Three people. Obviously, I didn't preach it last year, so that's good. That's good, isn't it? Frankie? Never repeat yourself, ever, when you preach, even when you're old. Don't repeat your jokes. How, when you turn 70, three things go wrong, start to forget things, and I can't remember the other two. I told you that last year. <laughs> so good my memory is forgot the other two, but I remembered telling you the story, I think. So anyway, here was this group of people. John Huss. You don't remember John Huss? Count von Zinzenberg. Study history, you find that there's some pretty amazing stuff. These guys were probably the first Protestant 
denomination, and they were the most praying people you'd ever meet. They would be on their face weeping and sobbing and travailing. They, uh, they knew what prayer was. They started prayer meetings, and they said, we're going to run prayer meetings, and they will run 24 hours a day, seven days a week, intense, people crying to God, pressing in until the breakthrough, pressing in until the thing breaks open. Well, their prayer meeting ran for 100 years, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 100 years. During that time, they set up the biggest mission movement that the world had seen. Missions, more and more now, requires people to be really backing the people going out there. If ever we've needed to fervently back people going out, mission trips, doing whatever has to be done, it's going to be for the brave, it's going to be for the people that are desperate to make a mark, and it's going to require some courage and some daring, but we've entered the greatest days in history. What a time to be alive. Anyone with me? Is this a great time to be alive? You can let me know. I don't mind if you throw something, shout, say that's rubbish, whatever. But this is a time when we can achieve things that have never been achieved. I've got invitations coming in now. I've got to believe for a whole lot of money. National Stadium in Nairobi, the massive thing in Pakistan, massive stuff that's opened up. And uh, I'm going, okay, Lord. I want the strength to do it. I want the anointing to do it. I want the backing to do it. And when we get there, we want to break it open with a move of power that is indescribably mighty. And so these guys fasted and prayed and wept on their face and sought God, and missionaries went out all over the world. It was the biggest missionary thing since the book of Acts. And they impacted so many people. Let's look at the next picture. I move really quickly here. John Wesley great leader of the Methodists. His, his people fasted two days a week. If they didn't fast, they couldn't have a credential. Uh, Methodist ticket, whatever they got in those days. He and George Whitfield turned England upside down. George Whitfield went to America. When he got to America, he is known particularly for bringing revival to the African-American slaves. He brought that in, the great move of God and the great godliness that went through a generation of slaves and the, the foundation that was laid by those older people that had come out of slavery came from an Englishman called George Whitfield who was a man of intense prayer and fasting. But it wasn't always that way. John Wesley was a religious man. He was a, a pastor or he was an Episcopal Church of England preacher, but he didn't really achieve a lot early. He didn't have a lot till he met a group of people. Let's have the next picture there for a moment. There was a great storm. He was going across to America. There was a big storm. He was on the ship. The ship was being battered and beaten on the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, he became afraid. He thought he was going to die. And great fear gripped John Wesley, this young preacher. But he found a group on the ship, and they were Moravians, the same people that had had the prayer going for 100 years, the Moravians. And he watched them, and they had no fear. The children had no fear. They sang, they worshipped, they sang hymns, they prayed, their prayers filled the boat, their prayers were full of life, and he knew that what they had, he didn't have. He talked to the leader, and he said, sir, 
I've been nervous, but or he didn't, I don't know what he said, but he said, sir, why do your people have this incredible confidence? How is it that they've got so much peace in the middle of the storm? And the leader looked him in the eye and said, sir, have you found saving grace? Have you found saving grace? John Wesley said, yes, but in his heart, he knew he hadn't. And Epworth, later, maybe a year or so later, he was at Epworth, and he was listening to teachings of Martin Luther on the book of Romans, on faith, salvation by faith. And as he listened, Scripture says he was strangely warmed and came into a relationship with Jesus that he hadn't had before, maybe even baptized in the Holy Spirit. John Wesley went on there, and he and George Whitfield saw a third of England saved. And intense prayer was their motto, intense prayer and seeking. People of the Holy Ghost that turned a nation upside down, but it came out of a hundred years of prayer with the Moravians. Something comes out of intense prayer. This time of the year is the time to really lay platforms. I've talked about that before. Every great revival I've ever read about or heard about started with a group of people that got very, very hungry. People that said, it's time for this place to be saved. It's time for Dandenong to be saved. It's time for Dufton. It's time for Endeavour Hills. It's time for the surrounding area right up to Berwick and out there to Cranbourne and all the rest. It's time for something to happen that is so great, something so great. I think it's time. I mean, I think it's time for us to look beyond our church growing to a sweeping move of God, to a sweeping release of the power of God that's going to come out of the intensity of a whole bunch of people setting their heart and saying, we're not just open to revival or waiting for someone else to pray it in, but we're going to seize revival and we're going to have it. We're going to have something greater. We're going to write history. We're going to do something that will be recorded in the pages of history. I tell you honestly, I don't want to get to the end of this journey and leave this planet with regret. I don't want to leave this planet knowing that I've got nothing in my hands to lay before the king. I don't know about you, but... When I stand before him and look him in the eye, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to look him in the eye and feel like, Jesus, I gave you a token effort. You save, but just in. I want to be able to walk past all those martyrs of history people that were scun alive and put into burning oil and fed the lions. I want to walk past those people and not have to hang my head like I'm not worthy to be in your midst. I don't want to have to walk past them and not be able to look them in the eye as fellow Christians. Don't look at them like I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I'm not saying I particularly want to be martyred, but if that comes along, it does. That happens. As long as it's quick. Not one of those slow ones. But here's the impact of a hundred years prayer. Can I challenge you and say to you, 
I believe the Spirit of God is stirring this church, stirring everyone in this church, individually, collectively, and saying, I'm looking for something in this region. You've been placed in this region for something very significant. There's a trust that I believe I'm speaking prophetically that God has placed this church in position to do something and even head up something so extraordinary that even if described to us, we would not be able to believe it. I talked on prayer last year about this time. Don't apologize for talking about it again because I feel something in my gut and I did in the car coming here just a stirring in my spirit and God saying, be honest, be honest. So look at the next one. I've been quick, I'm going to finish in a minute. Charles Finney, Charles Grandison Finney. Now you look at those eyes, you start repenting of your sins. <laughs> road rage and road rage and kicking the cat this morning. Actually, I didn't even kick the cat. I haven't got a cat. Repenting of lying about the cat that I don't have that I kicked. Next one. You don't know who he is probably. Anyone know who he is? His name is Father Nash. Father Nash was in many ways in heaven, I guarantee, when Finney and Nash arrived, Nash may have got the greatest reward. It's not always the guy up front that's in the in the highlights and the spotlights and the media and everything else, it's the people that you don't see that don't even want to be seen who are shaping things in the kingdom just with the impact of their prayer. This guy would go ahead. He'd go ahead. He went into one place and he was in a guest house, a hotel, and was there with another guy. They had a room each in that hotel, and about four days later or five days later, Finney came and the owner of the place said, are those two guys okay? I said, why is that? They haven't been down for breakfast, lunch. They haven't eaten a thing. They don't eat. And there's groaning coming from their rooms. He said, no, that's Nash, some other guy that would be sent ahead to pray. So great were their prayers that people coming in by horse and cart would cross the county line and shake because of the impact of the prayers of Father Nash. We read of Epaphras in the Scripture. It says, he laboured earnestly in prayer, Paul said of him. The word there, agonizomai, is the word from which we get ag agony, it speaks of an agonizing struggle against a powerful foe, even, as it were, in the stadium. And that's how he described this man's prayer life. Urgent, desperate, agonizing, as in the stadium. There's a passion in prayer. There's a passion. I'm talking to myself today. We've entered into this season and in my heart, started praying, 
praying, God, open different doors, open things up, show me where I'm supposed to be. Father, guide, lead, take me to that place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will dwell under the shadow of His wings. God, I want to live in that secret place of the Spirit, and I want to know your mind. I want to know your spirit. I want to move in your path. God, it's a new place. And I, I'm convict, getting convicted speaking to myself this morning. And praying, God, would you open some things up supernaturally? I've just been invited to go to Chattanooga. Not next weekend, one after. Don't even know the people. Guy had a dream. It's a massive church. I think he's the guy that did the prayer at the Super Bowl. Huge church. Never heard of them. In Chattanooga. Never been to Chattanooga. All I know about it is there's a choo-choo there. <laughs> We're going in next weekend. He said, how long can you come for? I was like, three or four days. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? But I want stuff to break out. I want stuff to happen. I want to... Anyway, I've preached it long enough. I'm going to quit. Last couple. This guy, John Praying Hyde in India, prayed so fervently. He, went, he, he was doing a big conference, and he called these other two guys in the conference, and they fasted and prayed for three months. One would sleep, one would be awake. They might fast three or four days, and then the other guy would take over. Maybe fast a week, the other one would take over. They went 24 hours a day with constant fasting, constant prayer, one awake, one asleep, in some building somewhere for three months, crying out to God. When they got to that a big event in India, and the impact of John praying Hyde across India was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people right across the Punjab, right across into Pakistan, so many. And he stood up in that conference, opened his mouth, and he said, my father my Father, and all of glory hit that place and people were smashed by the power of God. That guy used to pray so earnestly for so long that he moved his heart from one side of his chest to the other in the travail of prayer. He became sick and he went to, the, to see the doctor finally. The doctor said, this is really serious. John, the intensity of your prayers have moved your heart from one side of your chest. It's in the wrong place. You've prayed it out of place. And he said, you've got to go home. You've got to rest for weeks to try and get back. And he said, thank you, doctor, and went home. And for the next 36 hours, he groaned on the floor in travail. Died, I think, before his 40 years of age. And I said, God, why did he die? Why did he die? And I, and I felt like the Lord said, he died because... He carried the weight that numbers of people should have shared. Too often we leave prayer to the intercessors instead of taking hold of God ourselves and seizing something of destiny. Seizing something so significant. A youth, a youth move that will be known globally will spread like a flood. Anyway, I'm nearly finished. Next one. The Great Welsh Revival came out of nights and nights and nights of prayer with this guy. I've talked about it before, Evan Roberts. Massive move of God. 
never advertised anything. When the power of God hit, didn't even advertise. Every hall was full. Young people in their 20s going all over the nation. Next one. Some of the meetings in the Welsh Revival. Next one. Packed out, big open air meetings, massive meetings. First month, 70,000 in the kingdom of God. After that, the paper wrote the whole nations under the grip of some unseen power that shows no sign of lifting its hand. Currently, we watch, well, we shouldn't, I've just about given up. Hollywood is so filthy and so evil right now, I hardly watch a movie, and I still watch a lot of movies. It's so filthy and vile right now. Hollywood, the stuff that's been propagated, brainwashing, the media is brainwashing a generation and taking them down a path. Next one. Next one. The great Azusa Street Revival, William J. Seymour, we prayed five hours a day for months, stepped it up to seven hours a day, and when it broke out in that little house at the bottom, people crowded onto the property in 1906, and the veranda began to break. The move of God, they meeting six o'clock in the morning till six at night, they moved into a stable, stables are popular with God, and they filled that place day after day, people came from all over the world, all denominations, all backgrounds, all nationalities, and they were profoundly impacted and a move of God came out of that stable at the top that spread the world. It's the birth of Pentecostalism to a great degree that we know today in the world. And it came out of one African-American man who couldn't even sit in the Bible college because of the color of his skin. Who touched God so profoundly with a group of people that prayed so earnestly that they shook their nation and have shaken the world. God's looking for people that are not content to just be going through the motions, but have a passion to shake the world. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.